Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. All right, welcome to our series, Drama Club. Have you really been enjoying God unwinding all the drama from your life? What if you could actually use all of your energy and all of your love to quit dealing with all the silly little issues that we deal with just over and over and over again? What if you actually just dealt with like the real issues? Oh my goodness. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about spiritual drama. Next week we are off-site. We are at the town and country. Everybody in town knows where that is. Your phone will tell you. We have some maps, I think, at the box office. And so don't show up here next week. Show up at the town and country. I think it's about five minutes. It's just on the other side. If anybody's from the west side. Yeah, okay, west side. We get to sleep in like five minutes. It's going to be amazing. We have a baptism service, so it's going to be about a 65-minute baptism service. Look, bring somebody there because I know that whoever you bring, that they're, they're going to hear at least one story that's going to sound like their story. And if this person here arrived at the conclusion that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and the salvation of their soul, and that they should go public with their faith, then maybe the person listening will arrive to the same conclusion. It's a trick. Just get somebody to church next week. It's going to be a life-changing time. We're here to support our baptismes, and we cannot wait to see what God has in store for you. And we are with you. We are on your team. My goodness. If somebody comes against you, they're just going to have to take us all on, I guess. You all like my shirt? I'm preaching about drama club, so when else can I wear this shirt in church? So don't get offended. Don't get off- I just I thought it was kind of funny. All right, we've been talking about health. What does the emotionally healthy person look like? Well, today's question that I would ask in the runways, what does a spiritually healthy person look like? Everybody right now in society, it seems like, is spiritually aligning themselves with their own spiritual thoughts. Aligning yourself with your own spiritual thoughts doesn't really matter because spirituality is not connecting with you is supposed to be connecting with the spirit who is God as a relationship. I feel like, do I need to go back further than that? It just seems to me like my thoughts about God, maybe he should have a say about his, your thoughts about God and this whole relationship idea. And I'm going to be talking about a runway today. See, a, a healthy person always takes responsibility for the state of their own soul. A spiritually healthy person always takes responsibility for the state of their own spirituality, no matter what. So I don't know what happened to you or what kind of hurt you've experienced in in your life, but you can see now as you get older and older that there are some people that experienced more hurt than you did that are somehow okay. They're somehow healthy. They can somehow connect with people. They can somehow connect with God. And some people, when they get hurt or hurt spiritually, they get hurt by things, but then they come out and they end up in this weird little place of bitterness. Well, a healthy person and a spiritually healthy person takes responsibility for the state of their own spirituality no matter what, which means that no matter what's going on around me, that doesn't have to be happening on the inside of me. I'm responsible for me. They're responsible for them. God is responsible for him. And that's what health sounds like. Okay. Um, Our error, when we try to connect with God in our spirituality, our error is that we treat God like we treat people. Now, somebody's going to say, Yeah, but I treat people pretty well. If there's any part of your relationship with God where you think of God the way that you treat people, even if it's well, you won't be able to connect with God. Just give me a second. Relationships are different. It's not just you. Yeah, you know your side of the story, but there's the it's the other person, right? You're 
when I was in high school, I had a, a buddy, and I thought that getting married was going to be like moving in with a buddy from high school. I don't know why I thought that. I just thought that. It was just in my head. I just thought, you know, what are you going to argue about after the first couple of months, you know? You want to watch football? Yeah, let's watch football. The, the only argument you have is like, what, what do you want? What, what game do you want to watch? You pick on that, and then, you know, guys are um, simple. You ask your husband, like, what were you thinking? And he says nothing. He's not lying. He's just being honest. We're not complicated, like... If you're married, you know this. If you're married, he's just, he's either hungry or he wants to make out, and that's it. Like, sometimes it's both, and sometimes it's none, but that's it. Like, there's not really, that's our emotion, that's our spectrum. We're pretty simple. I thought my, be like moving, moving in with Aaron would be like moving in with Jason, my buddy. You want pizza? Yeah, let's get pizza. Okay. Turns out I was wrong. A little more complicated than that. As different as that was, I think my connection with God is, is much more different than that, though. Let me, let me explain. Just give me a second. You see, marrying Aaron is different than moving in with Jason. But there's still some sort of human thing that's underneath all of that that makes sense because I'm human and the other side of that party was human, right? The other side of the friendship is human. But um, with God, with God, see, getting along with Jason and getting along with anybody in your life, your son or your daughter your teenage son or your daughter, there, there's this common thing that, that binds you together is that you're both human. And so as you, as you grow up and you have friends and kids learn this in school or in youth group or you learn this when you, when you have friends or you get married, you learn that there's this whole concept of kind of give and take. Sorry, am I talking to humans now who know other people here? You can help me out, preach a little bit because I'll just have to stick on the one point until you start feeding back a little bit here. But um, there's this idea that it's kind of like these, you know, airplanes. I got, I got an airplane here, and, and just give me a second to work that. I was kind of like, hey, we're on this journey together, but it's kind of like give and take, and, you know, we have to. When Aaron and I argue about something, like, there's give and take in there. That's just how it works, right? Like, there's this idea in every human relationship that you have that you cannot share with your spirituality. You ready? That it just makes sense to us, but then we approach God with this whole idea of, are you ready? Of mutual compromise, Right? Because it's like give and take, and there's two sides of every story, and, there's, and you give and you take, and you apologize for what you do, and you're okay. But when, when you enter a relationship with God, or if you're on your journey towards God, what I would say is, if you come in with this whole human idea that there's some sort of mutual compromise between us, well, see, mutual compromise is like, hey, we had an argument, then we both apologize for our parts of things. Flawed person, flawed person argument, Right? Now, 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 now it's flawed person, flawed Pastor Corey, and completely flawless God. Never had an argument that he needed to apologize for anything for. Never thought a bad thought about you, loves you. Well, what all, about all the pain in the world? Well, the devil broke the world. We gave it to him. Like, hey, why don't you mess this up? And he did. That's <laughs> what he does. It says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but his opposite is God who comes to give you life and that more abundantly. And so that's how that works. Now, now there's this idea, though, that there should be this compromise between God. Like when God says this, like, does he really mean that? See, but there's no place in the mind of God where he's thinking of a relationship with you as if it's like kind of a mutual sort of like, hey, give and take sort of deal. Because this is what, what God did. Even when you're thinking to yourself and somebody who's very spiritual out there is like, but didn't he send Jesus down? 
He did, but that was not a compromise in any way. Let me explain this to you. Um, when, when mankind gave the world to the devil and broke it, God gave it to us, we gave it to the devil, and, and because of our sin, we separated ourselves from God because God is holy, and if there's sin, then it cuts off, it kills something inside of us that could connect with God. God is spirit, are you following me? And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When we sinned, our spirit died. And so when Jesus came, he was trying to get life to the spirit because that's the only way to connect with the spiritual God is, is our spirit. And so, but see, but, but because God is, is love, see, we want a loving God, but we don't want a just God. But how can you be loving without being just? Going to get you spiritually healthy today. And it says in the Bible that this is how the world works. The wages of sin is death, which means it's a death of a relationship with God. The wages of sin. So for your sin, one life is required. So when Jesus came down and sacrificed himself, pure and spotless, born of Mary, but not born of of Joseph, born of the Holy Spirit. So he came without a sin nature. And so he's born of humans, meaning he understands our weaknesses and temptations, but never gave in to a single one. He was sacrificed on a cross. He rose three days later. This is the gospel of Jesus. That's, That's it. And when we come to Jesus... We're not, God did not make a compromise with us because he said in the death and resurrection of Jesus, it says that the, the, the law was satisfied. Yeah. Meaning, one life for your sin. Yeah. It was satisfied. It was done. It was, but the law didn't change. There was no compromise in it. And so the wages of sin have been paid by Jesus coming in so that you could be adopted into his family. But there was never a moment in God's heart that he could compromise because compromise would denote that he's not perfect. And he is. And we approach God with this whole idea that like, hey, we're kind of like two airplanes sort of going in the similar directions. And sometimes we're a little here and sometimes we're a little there. And let's try to connect as well as we can. Connection with God has to do with one thing, spirituality. Here's healthy spirituality. Alignment. Not finding some place in the middle. Finding the place where he is. So, so you're this airplane. I got this Playmobil thing. I, had to, I lost my X-Wing fighter. If you have it at your house, I hate you right now. My X-Wing, man, I lost it. <laughs> now you're too afraid to give it back to me. I just think I lost it or probably threw it out when we moved. But um, I bought this off of Kijiji and I thought to myself, this is really what it is. Here, you're the airplane. And, and God is the runway. Now, you want to land in the family of God. You want to land in a healthy spirituality. It's about aligning your airplane with the runway. Right. It's different than every human relationship that you have because there's no mutual compromise. Meaning, how many times spiritually have you gotten 10 feet off the ground and realized, like, here the runway, here my airplane. In a spiritual nosedive. See, drama makes you the star in a play nobody wants to watch. Spiritual drama makes you the fireball on the runway that everybody wants to watch. (laughs) When people go crazy spiritually, oh, wow. Shoot. I talked to a guy yesterday who was talking about spiritual. He's like, you're never going to, I always invite everybody to church. I don't care if they want to go to church or not. I'm just like, you would love it. Lordy, I'm thinking, you need it, this guy. He's talking, he's, if you're watching me online, because I give him a card, I'm like, well, I heard everything you had thought about God, but why don't you uh, listen to see what I think about God? It might be worth it. You'll never convince him. I'm like, okay. When you see somebody in a spiritual fireball, or then, I mean, the news loves watching people in spiritual fireballs on a, when a spiritual leader falls or goes a little crazy. Or, why? Because we miss the alignment part. You want connection with God. It is about lining yourself to the runway. That runway does not move. 
And we have been circling forests and trying to make God make a runway where we happen to be landing. Like, God, connect with me. And God's like, Joel said this the other day. Joel is actually teaching our kids right now with my wife. And I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, we need more men in there. I want men in there to talk to these little boys and, and girls too. But just like, hey, man, this is what it means to follow Jesus. Like, I give money. I, I forgive people that I don't want to forgive. I love it. Joel said to me, uh, he had worked up in his mind because Freedom Session, our small groups, they're hard. And one, he said that, Jasmine, I haven't talked to you if, I, if I'm okay to share this or not, but I'm going to share it and ask for forgiveness later. Joel's like, I had this all worked out in my head where I was like, I was not going to go to Freedom Session because we were having a fight. And then I was just going to spend the whole evening just thanking God and reflecting. <laughs> and, and he says to me yesterday morning, we were in the car driving someplace. And he says yesterday morning, he says, I was at McDonald's getting a coffee. And I was praying. And I felt like God say to me, Joel, you can talk all you want, but if you want me to talk, why don't you go to Freedom Session? (laughs) If your prayers aren't landing and spiritually you feel unloved by God and unconnected with God, let's go to the place where that stopped and fix it. It is an alignment issue. We are asking God to move the runway for you. If he moves the runway for you, he's going to have to put it in the middle of a lake and runways don't float. Put it in the middle of a forest, God, I should be okay over here. (laughs) Unhealthy people cause drama so they don't have to deal with their issues. Spiritually unhealthy people cause spiritual drama. I'm a pastor, man. I'm going to preach this. Cause spiritual drama so they don't have to deal with their spiritual issues. Oh, you know it's true. That's my mom. She pastored for 30 some years, man. She know it's true. It's a fireball on a runway, man. It's magnificent. I heard, I've heard God apparently tell people a lot of crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, man, that fog is going to lift. And you are like, you're, you're in the mountains. It's going to be that movie where the plane crashes. I'm going to stop right now. How confused is your spirituality? I have a, a test for you to take this morning. It's a true and false test. Can, can, okay, it's a true and false test. Just answer honestly. Uh, Number one, true or false, when God and I disagree about things, I agree with God. It's an alignment. Did you want to land on the runway? Did you want to land in the family of God? Did you want to land in the God's love? Huh. Well, here's the runway. When God and I disagree about things, I agree with God. Number two, true or false, I never tell God that he needs to be okay with my choices. Well, God, I'm going to choose this. And then 14 months later, you're like, I feel unconnected with God. And God's like, "Uh uh-huh. I know. God's like, I know why. (laughs) Number three, I'm never a spiritual drama queen. (laughs) What what does that mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I never stomp around the house and complain that God doesn't love me. And doesn't give me all the candy that I asked for. And God's like, if I, if I gave you all the relationships that you asked for, you'd be a horrible mess. You can't always get what you want. I never lie down in the middle of the floor and kick and scream. And get angry at God for my life being the disaster that I caused. I'm a spiritual drama queen. Number four, I never get spiritual revenge by refusing to pray 
read my Bible, go to church, give money, and forgive people that have hurt me. Uh Uh-huh. I'll move on. Number five. I never get angry at people more spiritually aligned than I am. I never get angry when I see somebody doing what they should be doing spiritually and they have a connection that I really need. And, but I never get angry when they're doing better than I'm doing. Now, um, we've been talking about King Saul, who started insecurely and didn't start all that, all that poorly. But as his life moved on, insecurity started to... And then eventually, he, he see, God still loves you even if you're a horrible spiritual mess. And he'll send you somebody, like, like he'll, he'll put somebody in this... I don't know what this is. We got some WestJet people in the house. What's this thing called? It's like a, a control tower? Okay. It's a control tower. And so what God does is he'll send you somebody to, to land in. Are you laughing at me, Jessalyn? Because I don't know what this is. I rebuke that. Hallelujah. I didn't know what it was called, so I thought it was like a radio tower. But that doesn't make sense because it's not like a radio and stuff. So anyways, what he'll do is he will send you somebody to help you spiritually align yourself with the runway because your GPS gets out of whack. And so what he'll do is he'll send you somebody who can kind of, and Saul is, is spiritually out of whack. The nation of Israel is spiritually out of whack. And God raises up David to spiritually align the hearts of the people back to the Lord their God. He brings David. David is, is God's gift to Saul's whole family. Now, last week I preached about Jonathan, I think, right? And so Jonathan was spiritually aligned with David. He saw Saul and David, and he's like, oh, wow. Because in the scripture it says David had a, had a heart after God's own heart. Sometimes you don't have a heart after God's own heart, and somebody's small group has a David in it that could align you spiritually. Could help you like, hey, you're off course. You know, breaker, breaker, is that a thing? No, I feel like that's more truck driving. I should really have done a little bit of research about this. That's all I can think about, and I can't think of the right thing anymore. But it's just like, hey, you're horribly off course. Hey, you're, you're, mayday, mayday. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus and Amy. Mayday, mayday. That's really it. Like, your landing gear's not down. You forgot a couple of things here. You want to you land in, in my family. You want to land in my love. You want to land and get the connection that you want. And so what he's done is, is God sent them David. And so um, it says that David was bringing the ark of God back into Jerusalem in a horrible military idea. Um, these guys decided they needed to take the ark out to help them into battle. So it's like taking your Bible into an argument with your wife is just a really bad idea. And then preaching scripture at her when you're having an argument because you screwed something up. So this is kind of what they were trying to do, trying to get God to align with them. But their hearts were so bad. And they did this, and the Philistines whooped them good and kept the ark for a while. Now the ark is coming back into Jerusalem. See, see, when David comes back to, to when they installed David as king, he was king of nothing for a long time first. And, and then he was king of, of Judah, and then he became king of Jerusalem. And this story is when the ark is coming back into Jerusalem because David's like, of, of what value is, is any sort of position if God's not right in the middle of town. And so he's bringing this back here. And this story is going to revolve around Saul's family. So Jonathan, I preached about, he was aligned, but see, Jonathan had a sister named Michael. I thought Michael was a boy's name, but I also know other girls named Michael. And Corey is also a boy's name. That should be pointed out. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. See, Michael used to love David, and she was his 
first wife. Now, back then, they used to have more wives. It wasn't God's way, but it was just culture, and they should have listened to God because it doesn't work out. Can I hear an amen, girls? It doesn't work out. And so, but David, he, he, Saul starts chasing him, and Saul is so crazy that Saul actually threw a spear at Jonathan one time because Jonathan was backing up David and being like, Dad, why do you hate this guy? He was sent here as a gift for you. He killed the giant. He's here to help us. And Saul gets so angry at Jonathan that he throws a spear at Jonathan. But see, Jonathan's little sister, Michael, if, at first, like, Saul gave Michael to David as a marriage partner. And, but well, what happened was Saul started chasing David and trying to kill him, and David runs away, and then Saul gives his daughter Michael to, he used people shouldn't use people. And he used people and he gave his daughter Michael to another man. But when David came back into the kingdom politically, he had to ask for Michael to come back into his house to, to solidify the kingdom and stop the war, stop the civil war. And also what he needed to do was he needed to show everybody in the nation that he still loved Saul's family. Because back in the day when you succeeded somebody, you just wiped their whole family out. And so he's just like, I, I love Saul's family. It was never me. It was never my part. It was just Saul was this bitter, weird guy. And it says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. He's bringing the ark of God back, and he's down in the streets with the servants. He's wearing a priestly garment. Don't miss that. He's wearing like kind of the, the workman's coveralls of the priesthood. Nothing glorious. He's the king of all Israel now, and he, he's worshiping down there. And he's dancing. Does anybody dance? I finally danced on the Super Bowl when somebody scored a touchdown. Ah, <laughs> oh, it took so long. <laughs> no offense, NFL, but you guys got to get your crap together because that was the worst Super Bowl of all time, only to be outdone by its terrible halftime show. I mean, great cup, I got to say. That was a way better deal all, all around. I was dancing when somebody finally scored. I'm just like, I don't care who wins to score a touchdown. I digress. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. Okay, looked down from her window. Here's David down here with the people connecting with God, bringing the ark back. She looked down from her window. You want to connect with God? You don't look down from the window at somebody who's spiritually aligned. You just got to be careful. They're like, whoa, I'm looking down on somebody's connection with God. Watch what happens. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, this was not dignified, man. He was like going to town. It was a dance party in the street. She was filled with admiration for Watch that. Watch your heart if you're filled with contempt for somebody who loves Jesus. Filled with contempt for him. She, she, we talked last week. If you've ever wished that somebody would understand your pain, because she was bitter. She, she'd had a hard life. Yeah, it was difficult, but there was no more than David had had. In fact, David had to deal with a hundred times more pain than she had. And David was still down and he was free. But she wasn't free. She hated him in her, in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord, set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed. Somebody who spiritually aligns you, they might correct you, but it's a blessing. It is a blessing on your life. He, he blessed. It was the opposite of what Michael in her heart was doing. If you've ever said, I wish that you could know my pain, you've cursed that person in your heart, and you'll live under that curse. It's a curse of your own making. Like, I wish that, that I preached it last week. You need to, somebody needs to go back and listen to that. But like, if you've ever said, like, I wish that my husband would, why is he so happy? I wish that he would know the pain in my heart. Well, the only way to know the pain in your heart is to go through what you went through to get it. 
Like, I hope that what happened to me happens to him. It's cursing. Well, this is what Michael has done. Like, this bitterness. I haven't allowed God to deal with this. David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of, of heaven's armies. He, he didn't curse. When David returned home to bless his own family, though, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. Beware the, the people in your life. Getting baptized next week. Beware the, the spiritual people in your life who cause spiritual drama on your baptism day. Beware the people in your life who cause spiritual drama on your wedding day. It's not supposed to be about them. In fact, your baptism day is not about you. Your wedding day is not about you. It's about the work of God in your life. Beware of people who, who bring bad news at the wrong times. She comes out this day of celebration. Finally, the ark of God is back. David is on cloud nine. He comes in to bless his family. She comes out. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. How distinguished, filled with contempt and this horrible hatred. How distinguished, how heavy, that word means heavy. Meaning the king's words ought to weigh something. How distinguished. You see your husband worshiping before God and you're like, what are you dancing around like that for? How distinguished you look. See, David had laid aside the heavy robes of office because before God, he was nobody. He was just like everybody. How distinguished. He's like shamelessly exposing himself like vulgar people do to the servant girls. How could she say this? He, he was not naked. He was not exposing himself in any way. He was just wearing the garments of the priests because he was working today. He's just working. He just wasn't working as a king. He was working as a priest today. How oh, shameless and Maybe, maybe, see, this is what happens when you see somebody who's spiritually aligned with God, you secretly hate them in your heart because you're like, why, why is he so vulnerable with them, not with me? He's got some sort of connection with them, but not with me. It's his fault that we don't have the connection. And David's like, I have a connection with you, man, but you're looking down from the window. You're still wearing all your... Robes of office, all the things that you take pride in. He's like, I'm, watch what he says. He retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. This isn't about you. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to impress the servant girls. I'm not here to impress the commanders of the army. I am not here, and it has nothing to do with you. I'm here. I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father and all of his family. He's like, Michael, if you want the same spirit as your father, why, why would you pick that? He, God chose me. I, I didn't choose me. I didn't, I didn't want all this. I don't want all the pain and the responsibility, but God chose me. And having chosen me, you can unchoose me. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. Listen, listen, Saul never thought of them as the people of the Lord. He thought of them as his people. But David's just like, the people of the Lord, this is not my dad's mom's in a family. Are they your kids or are they God's kids? Are you just a caretaker or what are you? Do, they, do you own them? I say that I own them because I don't want them to date anybody. But I'm just here just in the meantime until I can give them to God. That's, that's my role. And every year I got to give more of them away until I have to give them to their husbands. And I don't want to talk about that. 
but their husbands had better look out. <laughs> so I celebrate before the Lord. I just thought I would get that in there so y'all could, you tell your kids and youth too, like, watch those Coke girls, make sure they're hanging out with good guys. Because Pastor Corey's crazy. You want to see a spiritual fireball on a runway? <laughs> Listen to what he says next. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this. Like, I haven't even started looking foolish. If you think that that's foolish. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. There's no mutual compromise where you get to look like anything in the sight of God. To be even more humiliated. He's like, you're getting hung up on what I look like to you and what I look like to everybody else. He's like, I, I'm, I'm actually deeper than that. I'm, I'm, I don't even care what I look like to myself right now. Like, I know that I can't dance because I can't, I can't go there, but I can't dance. Is it the color of my skin? It could be the color of my skin. I can't dance. I, I'm terrible. I wish that I had some help. He's, he's like... I might look like an idiot, but even in my own eyes, I don't even care, man. When I sing in church, I sing and I'm off key and I don't care. Because it's not, it's not for you. And God just has this auto-tune in heaven. Thank you, heavenly NASA, with your auto-tune. And it sounds beautiful in heaven. It sounds terrible to your neighbor, but you're not singing for your neighbor. You can give them earplugs and be like, hey, I just want you to be blessed because I'm not singing for you. It's not about you. I am willing to be, look more foolish and even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think that I am distinguished. Hmm. Spurgeon says, David would more and more abase himself before the Lord. He felt that whatever Michael's opinion of him might be, it could not be more humbling than his own view of himself. This is why you get upset when people accuse you of things, because you have to keep your sins kind of close to you. Just give me a sec. You've got to keep your sins a little bit close to you. Meaning, it's easier to forgive somebody when you remember your own sins. Don't get that far away from the grace and mercy of God that you've received. It makes it easier for to, to forgive people. Because whatever you have to forgive people, it's still on a human level. But God forgiving you, that's a whole different animal, man. Like Flawed people hurting flawed people. And you're like, I have so much trouble forgiving. And I get that things happened to you that were hard. But what, what you did to Christ with your sins and putting the perfect one on the cross, like we have no place to put this in our brains. And God sits between you and your marriage partner. And he's like, I need you to forgive. And you're like, yeah, but the other person doesn't deserve it. And he's, talk, he's looking at you. He's like, he's got no place to put this in his brain, in his heavenly brain. He's just like, you get... Spurgeon says, brother, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? amen? So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Michael. Three times Michael's name comes up. Not one time is it Michael, the husband, the, the wife of David. Not one time Michael, the wife of David. Three times comes up Michael, the daughter of Saul. Michael, who, who grew up in the house of this crazy, insecure person, spiritually completely misaligned and, and bitter and angry, tried to kill her own brother horribly misaligned with God. She sees Saul and David. When David starts coming into the court, she sees them together. She initially loves David, but something in her heart makes her go back to Saul. 
Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained barren, remained childless, the worst curse to a woman in her day, remained barren, had no offspring until she died. You want spiritual fruit. God is looking for spiritual fruit. If you don't have it, it's because you're not connected, which means that you're not aligned. You're trying to align heaven to you. But today's the day that you're going to get a little bit unwound and get a little bit healthy because you're going to go back to the last place where you felt the presence of God and felt the connection of God before you made a deal with somebody who was not God because you probably have some sin in your life that you need to deal with. Can I be honest? You've told God that he should be okay with something that you've decided to do, and the Bible didn't really say that. And Well, it depends. Are you trying to connect with your own spirituality? Or are you trying to connect with God? True spirituality, healthy spirituality. What's in your heart when somebody does something spiritually that you won't do? Everybody has a crisis of spiritual alignment. I was talking with Scott the other day. They're kind of new to the faith and, and they, he said one of the hardest things for him was when Christ entered their marriage. Now, if you grew up in church, when you get married, you get married in the sight of God. And so there's not two of you, there's three of you. And Jesus sits in the middle and is trying to dictate how the playbooks happen here. Like, hey, run this play. And you're like, God, and you're looking over Jesus at the other person and wondering why they're not shaping up and they're doing the same thing to you. And God's like, hi, here I am in the middle. Here, if we could just listen to the, to the one who knows what's actually going on. He said when Christ entered their marriage, he said he had to a crisis of spirituality because all of a sudden he's not the most important thing to her anymore. Jesus is. And, and she's not the most important thing to him anymore. Jesus is. You want, the best, you, you want the, the best marriage? You want to be the best wife or the best husband that you can be? Do it for Jesus. He will tell you to do things that will make you better. He will show you how to be a good mom. He will show you how to be a good employee. He will show you how to be a good boss. But do it for Jesus. Saul made a crucial error. I'm going to end with this thought. Where Michael got it wrong, where Saul got it wrong, but where David and Jonathan got it right is that when David walked into his prayer room, when David walked down into the street, he divested himself of his robes, all of the things that humanly we want to use to impress people. He just took them off and just left them in his role. Meaning like, over here, I'm somebody. But over here, God, he's, he's saying, God, you don't need me. See, when you have a child, it's different because you really need that child to love you. But God didn't have you for that reason because that's a flawed reason to have a child. It's, it's, it's not unnatural. It just makes sense to us. But God didn't have you because he needed love, because he is love. God doesn't need your admiration. God doesn't need your obedience. God doesn't need your money. And give your money. <laughs> no, no. You need to give it. Because it's not just about you. There's other kids that need adopting. But God doesn't need your love. If, if you blow it, if you turn your back on him, he doesn't have a bad day because he's all sufficient. He is perfect. He is flawless. You don't bring anything to the table. Man, you have a great singing voice. God's like, yeah, 10,000 angels. I got, I got enough. No, 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 that's not that. See, God had you because in his heart of love, he is flawless. He just didn't have enough kids to love. 
he had too much love for the few kids that he's got and he just needs more of them just to like pour out love and pour out blessing and pour out and he's like hey if you do this then I'll do that and we're like yeah I'd, I'd rather have the blessing but I'd rather not do the thing and God's like but that's how it works did you want connection or not but see, the, it all starts, your spirituality. If you're, if you're just searching for God and you're trying to find this, get out of your head that what you think about your spirituality matters if you're trying to connect with God. What he thinks about your spirituality is the only thing that will ever matter. And align yourself to this because, and it starts in this place where Saul, he forgot that when he prayed, he should take off his kingly robes. He forgot that, look, if you're a mom, you take off your like mom responsibility. I'm in charge of children. You take off the pieces that you're in charge of. If you're a boss, if you're, I told Joel, I said, this is what I want you to teach the kids today. I don't do this much, but I can monkey around with the Sunday school if I want. I'm like, I want you to tell these, these young boys, say when Pastor Corey prays, it, it's, he might be in charge of things and, and correcting people. And it's leadership. That's what I do. That's my job. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to. But when I go into my office to pray, like I told Joel, I'm like, you tell him, it's a bit embarrassing. Because I don't go in as, as a, a master of anything. I don't go in there with control over anything. I just walk in and just leave everything at the door and just walk in and like, thank you for saving me. All these people, they don't know. You tricked them. And you put me in charge of a church, but thank you. I don't know why. I think you made a mistake, but thank you for loving and forgiving me. Protect my people from my sin, I pray, God. I just want to be part of what you do. I just love what you do. I just want to forgive and have an open heart and not get bitter. And I just want to love you, Jesus. I just want to love you. I'm just so glad that you, I get to be a part of this, that I get to experience the love of Christ. But I, I don't want to make the mistake that you need me. No, you don't need me. You just want me. You just want me. Heavenly Father, I pray for a, a deep a work of humility in our hearts today, Lord. And I pray that this one thought would be in our hearts today that, that we're never going to be able to beat somebody who's spiritually aligned, so we might as well join them. <laughs> we might as well divest ourselves of all the things that we think matter in the eyes of humans, because they don't matter in, in your sight. God, that we would take off our unimpressive manner with you and just walk down into the street where people are and, and finally connect with the real God. I pray for a deep work of humility and that we would Maybe some of us, for the first time, seek God where you are to be found. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.